This is Dr. Lori Russell Chapin, and you're listening to the Neuro Noodle Network Podcast. Thank you all for joining Neuro Noodles Neuropsychology and Neurofeedback Podcast, featuring our neuropsychologists, Dr. Laura Jansons and Dr. Skip Wren. They've been practicing over 50 years and want to share their knowledge with you. You can find Dr. Laura at jansons.com. That's J A N S O N S.com. And Dr. Skip can be found at drskipwren.com. That's drskiphrin.com. My name is Pete, and today, special day, we are joined by a very special guest, Dr. Lori Russell Chapin. I own this list of accomplishments. Let me go down the list. Professor at Bradley, co-director of the Center for Collaborative Brain Research, Associate Dean and Graduate Studies Coordinator, Chairperson, Associate, oh my goodness, Had a, has a ton of books out, namely, I'm going to go down the list, sorry guys. Neurotherapy and Neurofeedback Brain-Based Treatment for Psychological and Behavioral Problems, Clinical Supervision, Writing Your Grief Story, Practicum and Internship, Field Resources, Tuning Theory into Practice. Oh my goodness, Turning the Pages, Seasons of Growth, The Meditation Guide for Those Who Help Others, Working Toward Productive Conflict. That was with uh, Dr. Stoner, I believe. And then Dr. Russell, you have one just, this is hot off the presses, what, two weeks ago? Tell, tell us about this new book real quick, Practical Neurocounseling. We have a brand new book, and, and it's so brand new, I don't have it in my hands, but you can get it on Amazon, and uh, that's the cover that I sent you. And what's really, ex- well, that's, what's really exciting is I wrote it with 12 graduate students, so it's a co-edited book. And it was fun for me because for, for all of us, actually, to have graduate students get their first chance. But what we did is we took the head map of function. And for those of you who are listening, you know, that would be like the where we place the electrodes. And um, we used a 19 channel EEG cap. And we took practical, everyday kind of skills such as meditation. And then we had someone meditate. And we gave them a script recorded their brain waves. And it was so fun to see, you know, I could see when someone's praying, I can see when someone's meditating, I can see when someone's doing what happens when someone's doing sand tray, when someone's doing a summarization of counseling. So then what we did is we took those that raw EEG data. And we did what's called it's a computer program called a Lorette called Loretta, and um, turned it into brain maps. So you could see, well, we could actually see where it's activating. And I just, I'm, you know, I know this is kind of nerdy, but I just thought that was so cool. So when I meditate, this is what's happening. When I summarize, this is what's happening. When I use, you know, when I say, hey, how are you doing, Pete? I can see what's happening when Pete, you and I are doing that. And it's right. just fun to see where it's activating in the brain. And so what this book is, Pete, is a book where clinicians could take it and say, you know, if I'm doing meditation, here's where it's activating. But more importantly, what I love about this is that it's basically saying, if you know you have a client who's extremely anxious, I want people to understand the brain so they know how to target their intentional clinical interventions better. It's a beginning. It's just, it's a work in progress. Right. Well, this is hot off the presses two weeks ago. Dr. Russell, uh, Dr. Lord, you guys know each other? Uh, I have something in my notes that you guys have crossed paths before. Dr. Laura, you want to chime in it looks familiar to me um somehow <laughs> where do i start so i went to uh, bradley university as an undergraduate i started off there everyone hears my story as an engineering student 
and uh, physics engineering. So I was going to work for NASA or uh, some someplace like that. Uh, long, 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 very long story, very short. Uh, I graduated from the psychology program, got a master's in psychology, and then I uh, went and got a master's in counseling with uh, Dr. Russell here, because at that time, she was the uh, uh, head of that department. It was um, human development counseling. It was a two-year program, and, and somehow, I don't know, I was like age 20 or something, I don't know, 22, and uh, she asked me to what? teach courses. So I was as green as green could, but somehow she had faith in me to take on one of, one of her supervision courses, which was uh, a great experience. Scared the crap out of me, but I uh, got, got the, the baptism by fire very early. And I, I tell this story uh, back then, we're talking about the early 90s, barely 1990. Um, uh, Dr. Russell um, was doing biofeedback. And I don't even know if she remembers uh it was that far back, but she had a, well, no, she remembers she had a biofeedback clinic, but I hope I remember that far back. Yeah. You, yeah. I mean, I I guess I'm barely remembering it. So it's back to me. Uh, There there was this little device that I purchased at Radio Shack. And I remember it was like under $20 and it was a galvanic skin response. So you you wrap these little Velcro uh, sensors on your fingers back in the day. And it was a little machine about the size of a cell phone. We were doing relaxation techniques, uh, imagery techniques, and having people listen to this horrific buzz that came out of this little Radio Shack uh, Tinker Toy. Uh, And and when you're relaxed, the the buzz would get less frequent. um, And when you're anxious, then it would would buzz and annoy the, the heck out of you. So that was, yeah, back in the 90s, we were doing biofeedback. And I know... uh, uh, Dr. Uh, Lori was uh, leading the leading the uh, the troops there and trying to get biofeedback. Um. Well, Dr. Russell's book, um, I, I know for all the new technicians out there, Dr. Laura, which, which is the book that you recommend for the the new technicians out there? The one that we have to keep buying. Yeah, we we've uh, got our shelves uh, covered with her uh, neurotherapy book and. Uh, it was a joy to purchase. You know, we all took the, the uh, we call it the STENS training, which is the, the week-long uh, course um, that trains, uh, gives you, uh, when Pete went to it, he said it was like drinking water through a fire hose, and that, that was exactly right. So you went through a week at the STENS training, um, and it's hard to get material. It's hard to get, uh, you know, if you're in a week and you're learning about everything about the brain, you're learning about electronics, you're learning about technology. There's so many things to, you know, in the opening course for neuro, learning about neurofeedback. Um, and you're, you know, you're researching on the internet, you're looking for books and everything. Um, I mean, you're trying to stitch together all this information. Um, and it's, it's a difficult process. I mean, um, so, but the textbooks that, that when I went to the STEMS class, which was only a couple of years ago, there weren't, weren't any, um, they're playing textbooks and you could like, you know, get, get a chapter from this book and a, in a, you know, a paragraph from that book. But uh, what Dr. Lori uh, did was, and she could speak for herself, but I guess it, as the, as the reader of this book, she was able to um, put all in from all the information about the technology and the, you know, electrical activity and what's a QEEG uh, put all that into, you know, what's an alpha wave, put, put all that information into a concise, uh, readable uh, uh, fashion. But then the other thing she was doing, which I think is just revolutionary, um, you know, so, so we have this 
tool, this neurofeedback tool, and it's been around for a long time, but again, we're trying to get it, you know, gain some traction and, and get it out there uh, more to the masses, so to speak. But what, what Dr. Russell has done is um, combined uh, the neurofeedback with uh, traditional psychotherapy. And so, you know, Dr. Russell trained me back in the early 90s uh, to be a, a psychotherapist, and I, I did work uh, it did that kind of work for a very long time. But what, what's nice about this book, the neurotherapy uh, book, is she's combining the two. She's combining the, the neurofeedback uh, intervention with uh, psychotherapy intervention. And when you put the two together, as she was saying, you know, now you can have an objective piece to your psychotherapy. You can be in a, a meditation or be, as she was just talking, uh, um, you know, in a prayer or uh, you know, quiet um, space, and you can look objectively on a computer screen, what does that look like in terms of your brain functioning? So that can have so many, you know, future applications, you know, we, we do cognitive uh, behavioral therapy all the time, where you're, you know, thinking about different things, and those thoughts, you know, translate into different emotions. And so it would be, you know, it's very educational, you know, to have the patients, clients have feedback to when you're thinking this negative thought, so to speak, here's what, what happens to your brain. So there's this very direct connection between, uh, you know, your emotional experience, your cognitive experience, and what does that look like on a map? And then, you know, the, the next step, of course, is, is how do you train that so that the individual can have better brain functioning, but also have this cognitive, this conscious awareness piece, like, oh, I'm, I have choices over my thinking, and here's what I can, <clears throat> excuse me, consciously do to, to make my, myself better in, in combination with what can I physiologically do to, to make myself better. So it's kind of a win-win a dual duty uh, approach to helping people get better. So I'm, I tend to be long-winded, so I apologize, but uh, you know, that, that's my takeaway from uh, Dr. Russell's uh, neurotherapy book. Well, I know we have three psychologists on here, so I'm lucky if I'll get any, yeah. any yeah. airtime, but you know, from my experience, I went through the STENS class twice, and it is uh, a lot of information compressed in the five days, really three days. Um, I think it start for the new practitioners out there, for the new technicians out there, half the people are technicians, uh, clinicians, the other half are, are end uh, 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 clients of, uh, of neurofeedback, and we try to handle both. But I think it starts with the system that you pick out. What's the amplifier or the EEG that you pick out? You know, we started with STENS. You go through their training program and they give you their information. And there's so much more that you have to learn. Uh, then you get into with Dr. Lori Russell help with some of the missing pieces. I mean, it's if, if you were going to pick a, a Mount Rushmore of neurofeedback, I mean, you you have Dr. Russell, you have Dr. Thatcher. Who else will we put on there? Uh, I forgot the, uh, the cats guy. Who's the cats uh, researcher guys. You know what I'm talking about? We'll check yeah. that out in post. Oh, back in the day. Um, back in the day. Um, Lubar? But this all, yeah. Pardon Lubar, yeah. me? Lubar? Yes, that's it. That's on the BCIA test, I think. Um, but anyways, I mean, this is su such a treat. I mean, we had Dr. Thatcher on just a little little bit ago. Now we got Dr. Russell. Because this is something that, uh, Laura, you said you were in the 90s. Uh, you, 
Dr. Russell, you in the early 90s is when you really hit the gas on the neurofeedback. Isn't that right? Well, actually, you know, I think it's a fascinating story, but and maybe this is how we all learn, but our son had, I really believed our son at a young age had attention deficit hyperactivity disorder. And I took him to a psychiatrist in Chicago, actually, and, and um, we did a spec analysis. And, and you know, it, it, it revealed a lot, but that has radioactive isotopes in it. You have to take that through your system. And it was just so invasive for a little five-year-old. And he at one point said, well, do you know anything about neurofeedback? So that was a long time ago. That was, but it wasn't early in the nineties. Um, I didn't, st- so I, I guess my story started with Jameson, our son, because the minute someone said there's something non-invasive we can do, I'm all over it. I, you know, we know from research that medication's not particularly effective. Um, we know that there are so many side effects. So if we could do something that was non-invasive that helped people. And, and the research on neurofeedback, as you all know, in this, podcast is longitudinally quite effective. The efficacy ratings for ADHD are particularly good. And so I really didn't get um, involved with neurofeedback until 2010. So it's been 10 years for me. But, you know, as Laura said, I've been doing biofeedback for a long time because I think what I want your listeners to know is that it's so important for us to think about our entire body. And when I teach, I have one class that I adore. I mean, I like my, all my classes at Bradley. But um, the one class I really love is teaching is, it's called Neurocounseling, Bridging Brain and Behavior. And in, in this course, one of the things I make these students do is every morning I want you to wake up and say, what are you going to do for brain health today? Because how many of us in this podcast think, do you get up and say, gee, what am I going to do for my brain today? I don't think so. But we should be doing that. Well, then now I've kind of expanded to we should be getting up every day. The first thing we say, what am I going to do for my entire system, my lungs, my heart, everything, and and actually decide I'm going to take care of this system and listen to it. That's the biofeedback system. But, you know, I think the things that I also want my your listeners to know and my readers to know is that we become dysregulated in life brainwaves because of living life. I mean, that's just, I mean, even if I lived in a bubble, which I have been kind of doing with this pandemic, but even if I lived in a bubble, I'd have some dysregulation because I'm living in a bubble. And so we have to understand the dysregulation, what dysregulates us. In one of our textbooks, um, we came up with Ted and I, and I, I, I work full-time at Bradley University, but I also have a private practice with my husband, Dr. Ted Chapin. And, um, we came up with this. I really like this. It's called the neuro. It's a neurotherapy instrument for dysregulation. And at least you just kind of do true and false. Do you have these things or yes or no? And I think every time I teach people and I have them take this instrument, they're astounded that the things that they're doing lifestyle wise are impacting their brain and their health. So <clears throat> my brother just actually had to have surgery yesterday. And I asked him, are you going to do general anesthesia? Or are you going to do like something else, a local or whatever? And um, they did general. But, you know, every time we bathe our brain in anesthesia or anesthetics, boy, that's tough on the brain. And I just want our consumers to understand how much power they have over their own system. But I don't think we know that enough. 
And what neurofeedback does is it allows us to help people train the brain and get it back. To, I say get it back, but maybe get it to the place that it's never been. Um, I, I really strive for optimal performance. Peak performance would be great. So, um, you know, I, I became board certified in neurofeedback in 2014. And um, I just, I really think that Neurofeedback is, you know, and I say this all the time, but my fantasy would be to win the lottery. And I probably told you more of this too. Win the lottery. It's mine too. I, you know, <laughs> and, and I want to open up a neurofeedback clinic. And, and, here, and here's what we're doing wrong in the therapy world. We send people to therapy, but they're not ready for therapy because their brain's not ready for therapy. So I want to send them to neurofeedback, get them regulated. Then the world would be ready for therapy then counseling would be so much more productive. But neurofeedback just offers people a chance to look at the world differently and, and respond to the world differently. I always talk to our students about the difference between a reaction and a response. And you know, we react oftentimes out of dysregulation. But if we can make connections to the prefrontal cortex and all parts of our brain, then we get to have better responses. That's pretty cool. And that's what neurofeedback does. It really helps us regulate our system. And I'm, I'm, I'm a, as you can tell, I'm a fan because anything that's non-invasive that teach that gives people life skills. Wow, how cool is that? When did you start with biofeedback? Oh, as Laura said, it had to be early '90s. Yeah. Okay. Early. Okay. Yeah. Because uh, that's kind of where I was going with it. It starts yeah. with the biofeedback. And to me, a layman, it's like uh, you do have control of your body, you know, your heart rate, you know. Uh, that was the first tool uh, that said, hey, you know what? Control your breathing and you'll stop freaking out or you'll lower, right? Uh, that's true. To me, part of Part of anxiety is the fear of the unknown or the lack of control. And once you start feeling that you have control of things, then you start to chill out a little bit. That's kind of where, where yeah. I was going with it. Well, you know, and then I think, yeah, I'm sorry. So I'm sorry, Pete. No, no, no. Go. Okay. So, you know, the, the other thing that I think is so important with that piece, though, is that in, when I do when I get to be in person with people, which I'm so excited that might happen someday soon with vaccinations. But anyway, um, when I get to be in person with people, I teach, I teach biofeedback right off the bat. I teach them how to diaphragmatically breathe. I teach them heart rate variability and I teach them skin temperature control. And people are astounded, astounded that they have that kind of control. I mean, I had one lady and this is so fun. She came in and she said, I have poor circulation. She didn't, she didn't say to me, my name is Susie or whatever. I have poor circulation. And that could be true. Um, I don't know, but um, so, you know, I listened to the story because I think that's so important. And then I taught her skin temperature control and she was at 88. Now for peak performance, we need to be about 91 degrees peripheral skin temp. And I taught her, and she was able to, with some imagery and um, I, have a, I have little thermometers in my office from Stens. They ought to be giving us stuff here. Anyway. Um, you hear that, Steve? But from Stens, and I teach people how to do this, 
And she raised it from like 88 to 91, which was peak performance. She was astounded. And she literally kind of just sort of skipped out of my office. And I really didn't do anything but teach her skin temp. And she said, and I get this a lot. I get two things a lot. She said, well, if I can control this, maybe I can control other things in my life. Now that's pretty darn cool. The other thing that I get consistently from people who don't know each other, they say things like, you mean I'm not a loser? You mean there's really something wrong with my brainwaves? And to me, that is so validating. Of course you're not. And, and we can do something with this. So um, yeah, biofeedback is what I consistently do. The next thing I do, and I'm sure you all do this too, but I really love to teach my clients, of course, my students, that most of us, especially in this pandemic, are wandering around in the universe in the sympathetic nervous system. And we are activating our fight and flight all the time. I mean, even in, of course, one of my favorite people is Dr. Stephen Porges. And um, he is the creator of the polyvagal theory. But he, one, of his, one of his articles, he said, you know, just the presence of our masks alerts, and even though we're used to them, alerts us to danger. And so people are heightened all the time in this sympathetic nervous system. So I need to teach my students and my clients how to regulate so we can get back to the parasympathetic nervous system, which is rest and digest, which is adaptability, which is normal functioning, whatever normal functioning is. Well, you know, can you, and, and we wonder now why people are so agitated. They're overly anxious. They're more depressed. They're drinking more suicides up. It's all those things because, you know, we're wandering around the universe in this sympathetic nervous system. So I love to educate my clients and they like it. They love to know. I believe power, I mean, I've, knowledge is power and, um, and it's fun. It's just super fun. Well, people want to get better. People want a positive reward. You know, that's what this is all about, right? With, with this software is giving a, your brain's doing what it needs to do to heal itself. Here's a positive reward. Keep, keep doing more of it. Is that right, Dr. Laura? Right on, right on. I, yeah. I Skip smiling through there. <laughs> yeah, Skip. Yeah, I'm, I don't want to take us back too, too far, but I think it's, I think it's not that far back, really. And, and it, it's about something you said in regards to your latest book. And by the way, I think I kind of got on the neurofeedback train like everybody else. Um, heard about it, thought it was interesting, went to a STENS course, and then got your book, Neurotherapy and Neurofeedback, to find out uh, what I had just been exposed to for a week, right? So oh, that's funny. Can I, pause? Yeah. Can I pause one second? Skip. Yep. In that class, me and Skip went to school together in our neuropsych program. Uh, but but Skip was in that class, and we do this a lot. We we you know we'll text back and forth, whatever you know, whatever little jokes or whatever. Anyway, he he texted me a paragraph from your book, Lori, not knowing that we had a connection. And I said, "Are you kidding?" Yeah, <laughs> yeah he he sent me a Lori Russell. Uh, I'm like, well, I think I know her, so. So uh, I, I often uh, got got the book also because the uh, I didn't take the class yet. And so, so it's just interesting how how uh, uh, how much that book uh, kind of make, is making the rounds. And now I think it's a required textbook in the uh, Stens course. So anyway, I'm I didn't sorry. know that. I didn't yeah. know that. Well, you know, and I, yeah, really, I didn't know that. You know, yeah. the thing that I would tell you is, and it's the same story you're all sharing. 
I, this is a fun story too. I went and got trained through Stens in, uh, I think it was San Francisco. And I came home and I said, Ted, this is really cool. But I don't know how to do it. And he said, what do you mean you don't know how to do it? I said, well, I did it for a week. But he said, could you show me? And I said, no, I can't show you. Well, what do you mean you can't show me? You just sat through a week of class. And I said, it was, I don't know. You know, it was just like, whew. And, and, the, and so then I went again. I went to so many trainings, I can't tell you. I tried to read so many books. And, and I think, Pete, what you said was true. I'd get a chapter here and a chapter there. And then I said to Ted, we need to pull this together for one-stop shopping. You know, it, I want somebody, people to go someplace and go, well, this is trying to answer most of my questions. Um, and now, you know, that book is getting old and I'd love to do a second edition. Um, it's pretty foundational though, too. And, and, and not to discourage you from a second edition and updates are always helpful. Right. But yeah. And it, 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 for the period following initial exposure where you're like, Hey, here's this really cool thing. And with having a little bit of background, right. I wasn't coming in without any exposure to brain function or psychology or anything. And, you know, I had a little bit of uh, experience and then to get this entirely new to me, at least modality, which is, you know, almost a different language and, and really getting kind of a graduate level exposure to it. You're like, Hey, thanks. I, I know this was good content, but I don't know what the hell to do with it as you're saying. And your yeah. book is really grounding. And I don't mean to simplify or, 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 you know, d- diminish you. in its, in its value. It's just like, Hey, good. Um, now that stuff I heard for a week and tried to remember, at least I have a place to put it. And, and it was, to, to, to call it a launching pad is doing it a disservice too, but it at least just kind of laid out the landscape and go, okay, uh, I might be able to do this for a living someday. Yeah. You know, yeah. it was encouraging. Whereas the other is overwhelming. You know, and then for me, it, for, Ted, for, for Ted and Lori, uh, my spouse, it was super fun to write together, but it consolidated everything because he'd ask me a question, I'd ask him a question. And it was, it was so helpful to have someone, you know, to bounce ideas off of. So, um, yeah, it was a really, um, it was a fun, I have to keep using that word. Um, it was a really, it was just a delightful task to do and not easy, but it was delightful. And it, it consolidated all my learning, which was really nice for me. Um, with, with the new book, if I can jump in. Sure. I had a couple questions and, and, and one is always easy to ask, but it's always interesting to me for sure. And, and what, about your research maybe stood out or was surprising for you? So that's the, the first question. And then the other question is, how, how do you see the applicability for this? And I guess I'm thinking more on the, the receiving end, right? For clients, patients, like how's this going to make therapy better for them? You know, maybe I go back to knowledge is power, but, um, and, and this could, I mean, I don't know if this is true, Skip, so, it's just a supposition on my part, but I, I, I'm a huge fan of intentionality. You know, if we can choose as, as counselors techniques that are targeted to the area in which your brain is just has this regulation, that's going to be helpful. So that will be helpful. Well, for clients too, I, I, I do believe this, that, I, and I think we're going to find this down more down true down the road, but I'm beginning to believe that most of our mental health symptoms are based because of poor connectivity issues. And so, you know, the prefrontal cortex is not connecting with the amygdala and, or, or vice versa. Um, and so 
if we can teach people that, and we can teach people first to self-regulate, and then neurofeedback will help them. And then counselors have a better idea of, if I, you know, think about why we were taught to paraphrase, because it's part of the active li listening sequence. But what's that about? Or what's that really about? And if we both understand what that's really about, then I think counseling becomes more efficacious and, and maybe more meaningful. Maybe that's what I'm trying to get at. So, you know, if your client comes in and says, um, I'm really depressed, and then you have an EEG perhaps that validates that as well. So what's a good technique for that? I mean, we've taught, we've been taught cognitive behavioral. I mean, there's so many things, but if we actually know that there are techniques that are maybe good for the left prefrontal cortex where a lot of our depression lies, why not target interventions there? Right, right. That's what I'm trying to get at. And, and I think all we could teach that to clients and we can teach that to counselors. Um, that's when I think things will be more effective. Does that answer your question? It does. And it, and it gets me to think about almost every conversation I've had with a parent about their kid. And, and I'm, I, by the way, I do more neuropsych evals with kind of a side, side gig of doing QEEGs and neurofeedback, right? Whereas Laura's, you know, like this and Pete, Pete's more neurofeedback. But anyway, just so you know where I'm coming from. But I, I, I consistently and, and I would say almost constantly meet with parents, but adults too, that know things, they know what should happen. Most kids know if they hit their sibling, they're gonna get in trouble and they're not supposed to. And so there's this giant gap between knowing and doing. And when you say connectivity, that's what I'm thinking of. And, I'm, and, and that's, so I, I don't have the conversation necessarily through neurofeedback intervention terms with parents, mm -hmm. but it's the same thing. It is this, this giant chasm of, of, of not happening. You know, that, that's, here's what's supposed to happen. Here's how you're supposed to behave. Here's how I want to behave. Here's how I want to feel. Yeah. And then there's the doing. And it's like, how the hell do I get from A to B? Yeah. And I think that's the difference between reaction and response. And with connectivity, we can have forethought perhaps and have responses, but that's not going to happen until the brain is self-regulated. And, you know, and I guess the other thing I'm trying to answer your question, because it's a great thoughtful question. But the other question is, Sometimes people can't afford neurofeedback and I, I wish that weren't so. Yeah. So there are some neuro, I call them neuro counseling techniques that if we knew more about the brain and where we can target interventions that can be done with cognitive counseling or talk therapy. That's important too. And I think, I think training, education training programs are remiss in not having some kind of neuroanatomy or neuro counseling. They're remiss in teaching that. It's like there's this void out there. And we and I, Ted and I have this conversation all the time. If we started teaching five-year-olds about their brain, and I know you can't teach everything, but would we take care of our bodies better? If if I knew, gosh, I don't know, if I knew much more about my system, would I take care of it better? And maybe not, maybe we wouldn't. But um, I think we need to teach people more that they have some control because there are lots of things we don't have control over, but we have some control over things like exercise. And, and, and if I really knew, if I, I love to teach people this, you know, I, I don't really love exercise. I'm just saying. And, um, but 
But when I understand that when I exercise, it elicits brain-derived neurotropic factors and it helps my body learn and be alert. Well, that's a whole different ball game. It's not just because someone told you it was, you know, good for you. So I just think it's important to teach people what we have control over. Does that make any sense? It does, and I agree, not to, to hog you or steal you away from the other guys here, but um, understanding and even implementing the idea that we have some control or at least influence over what we think, which in turn obviously impacts how we feel and then creates neural pathway habits and things like that. Um, it is, you know, to call it powerful is like doing it a disservice. It's, it's, it's the thing that we can probably do without even going anywhere, which is super convenient these days. But we, we do have the ability to be able to assess, be aware of, alter what we think in more preferable ways. And then through practice, we develop new habits, right? And I know that's putting it super simply. Underlying that pretty, pretty easy, easy premise is some people can do it better than others because of what you mentioned earlier, and that's dysregulation. Mm -hmm. So I'm with you 100%. I'll bet you these other guys are too. Um, And that's a powerful message that I don't know that traditional Western medicine uh, reinforces, Mm -hmm. right? It, it, It creates this dynamic where you have to go to someone to get better. And I'm not saying health care doesn't help. I'm saying that there's other ways that you don't have to go a centimeter. Right. Yeah. And here's another word I think that we want our listeners to understand, which is, and I'd love the, I like the term internal versus external locus control. Yeah. I go to the, my physician and he or she tells me do this. That's external. But if I know I can do these things, I can control my skin temp. I control my heart weight. I can control. There's so many things I can control. Then that's intrinsic or internal locus control. And, you know, one of the things I wrote in another book, which I really, this is from Rotters. And I, it's either Rotters or Rotters because he's from England. But Rotters locus of control inventory. You know, we need both. We do need both. But we need to have more internal than external. And we are walking around in a society that's not only in a sympathetic nervous system, but is more extrinsically controlled. And that's not healthy. So I love, I love what we're doing right now. I, I love teaching people about, you know, a definition that I like, neurotherapy is anything that modulates neurons. Exercise is one. There's so many things we can do. Um, so, and, but neurofeedback, you use the word, you know, I, I like the word remarkable. Neurofeedback to me has been remarkable because it has, and I know you all have had this experience. By the time someone has come to me for counseling, I might be their sixth, fifth or sixth counselor. And all the other counselors have been great. They have been. And they've added to that person's life. But the person's saying, there's something that's not right. And so when that person's saying, there's still something not right, he or she doesn't know what it is. But I, I know what it is. It's the brain is dysregulated. So we can get people either through, and that's, I'm trying to skip so long-windedly to get to your, your answer, either get people to intentionally understand their brain and do intentional talk therapy skills and or neurofeedback, which would be my preference. Wow, the world's going to be different. It's just going to be different. 
And my favorite commercial on TV, and I think they don't even have it anymore. It was an old Claritin commercial. And they said, if you take Claritin and you see it on TV, the, the, everybody is kind of, they're kind of blurred and they're kind of icky, but you take Claritin and the veil is lifted and suddenly the world is brighter. That's what neurofeedback does. Neurofeedback allows us, as you all know, to live life a little more. It's not as difficult and it's a, li it's a little brighter. Things are clear. Um, you know, when you do the 19 channel QEG, one of the things I like is the old idea of phase light too. And the idea that, that <clears throat> you know, there are some things that neurons that are firing too fast and some are firing too uh, slowly. But what we want is a brain that is reliable and gets valid information. That's what we want. And we're only going to get that through neurotherapy, neurofeedback, neuropsych, neurocounseling. That's all those things. That's how we're going to get it. And it's our Doc, job, I think, to be teachers. Doc, you brought up QEEG. And this is a popular uh, topic that we bring up. The QEEG versus the DSM. How long do you think it will be before the QEG takes over for the DSM or be looked at more strongly than it is now? Because How much time me, do we have, Pete? Because, uh, <laughs> I mean, oh. to me, what's as a layman it, and a parent, when you have somebody that can't communicate, the QEG does the communicating. Mm -hmm. You know, what, what's wrong with your child? The, the child can tell yeah. you what's wrong with them with the QEG mm -hmm. versus the subjectiveness of the DSM. I just mm -hmm. wondered your thoughts. I'm well, sure we have I, a couple I, of days here. I teach our graduate students that probably not in my lifetime, but in their lifetime, there won't be one anymore. And I, we're either going to go to the ICD codes or we're going to use something more quantitative like QEGs. Um, I I'm still a qualitative person, though, too. I, I still want self-reports, and I would love the quantitative piece as well. So we, I think we need both, but I don't know if the DSM-5 is the answer because it's not something that the world communicates with. It's something that a small, a small group communicates. And... Um, and I'm not a fan of labeling anyway. I think it's a piece of the puzzle, but it's not the person. And um, so I, I think it's it's I think it's on its way out. Or or if they're really smart, they will include it. They'll include the quantitative data with it. So I mean, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, Lori. Um, you know we're. We're talking about, you know, me and Skip's lifetime and your lifetime. You know, you taught me, um, you know, again, back in the 90s. So, you know, we, me and Skip have been this, in, in this for 30 years and, you, and obviously you more. Um, and you're talking about lifetimes. You know, there, there's, someone used the word chasm that, you know, we're, we're trying to get this out there. Um you know, it's been around, you know, is it a marketing issue? Is it a, you know, business issue? Is it a, a sense of, you know, helplessness? Is it a cultural phenomenon that, you know, just the way the medical system is tiered? Um, when will, I mean, and I don't have an answer, you probably don't either, but just curious about your response. You know, when will people be open to this 
concept of intentionality. I know it's our, our role to teach and it's our role to encourage it in, in our counseling, but it seems like it's this bigger uh, philosophical and cultural concept about, you know, kind of rearranging, you know, the way we, we view, uh, the way we rank medicine among our, our service options. And, um, you know, when will it happen? And what do you think is a, you know, maybe a little missing link that we can use to, you know, so we're up in the Chicago area, you're down in central Illinois. Um, you know, we're in the United States, not Europe. Um, when will it happen? It may be just rhetorical, but what can we do in addition to everything you're, you're saying? What can we do to get it more out there more to the masses, more popularized, um, and, you know, argue for, uh, you know, reimbursement from insurance so that more people can have access. What, what do you think is the link? What do we I think it's, I think Laura, it's happening now. I think we're in it right now. We're mm-hmm. the ones that are helping get the word out. Um, the story I always tell too is, you know, I think it's fascinating that when I go to an audiologist, they look at my ear. And I think it's fascinating when I go to a pulmonologist, they actually look at my lungs. So if you're going to go to a health and professional, don't you think it's important to look at the brain? And that's how I teach it. I say, so let's take a look at your brain. So it's our job. And it doesn't mean everybody has to understand neurofeedback or, you know, QEEG or six channel EEGs. We don't, but, but get the word out so people can refer to us. And, that's what I think we do is we keep talking about it. And every class I teach at Bradley, I'm, I start again in, with the brain and behavior class, March, you know, and I have large cohorts every, it's throughout the United States that we're getting the word out. And, it, and I think it's, I think it's word of mouth. I, you know, you can even get into the research on that, that we can do marketing, we can, which is super important. But people have to be able, and this is what Skip said too, you know, people have to be able to say, this changed my life. Understanding and seeing my brain was such a relief. Understanding biofeedback was such a relief. It changed my life. And they, and they tell the next person, the next person. So we're in the middle of it now. And I think we just have to keep talking. Your, your podcast is perfect. That's what people have to do is talk about it. Um, yes, I know it has some problems because everything has problems, but, um, I'm, I'm a huge fan and, um, I think we're in the middle of it right now. So we just got to keep doing what we're doing. Well, the one thing that this pandemic has shown us is that, uh, companies that are heavily involved in technology, they're evolving a lot quicker. I mean, just look at Zoom, right? So I think uh, the more people that get the, because we see the positive results, the people come in feeling one way and they come out feeling another way. And here's the objective data that shows, hey, you should feel better. You subjectively feel better. And here's the data that shows you, you you're better. So uh, that's just got to, that that's going to happen. It's just, uh, to me, it's a shame the insurance companies, the drug companies are uh, so well uh have such a, a nice arsenal. Yeah. Uh, but, but anyways, guys, we could go on forever. 
Dr. Russell, this, uh, Skip, Skip, Laura, you got any final uh, questions? Uh, I'm going to wrap her up here. I had one kind of comment slash maybe a question, but but probably not. And it's in response to, to Laura's question. And it's based on what what Doc, Doc Russell Chapin said. And that's getting maybe some non-technical meaning using technology techniques not to minimize uh, in, in, in the hands of therapists that are based on neurofeedback and based on cues and based on, you know, understanding of neural anatomy and neural function it, to, to where it starts to infiltrate. It's not exactly the right feel I'm looking for, but you get me to where it becomes more commonplace and prevalent. Um, that's another way that this neurofeedback thing gets spread. Um, you know, getting out there and, and maybe doing some hard marketing on our end, uh, Laura, with providing continuing education around neurofeedback for psychologists that don't even know that it exists, mm -hmm. right? Um, those are the kinds of things I think that can happen. Um, in these moments right now, talking about them, it's like, yeah, that's super exciting and cool and I'm in. Rubber, rubber hits the road and it's like when, you know, when and how and all that. But just to answer your question, maybe a little further based on some things we've heard today, like there's, there, there is this momentum, I think, again, it's the circles you keep, you know, and who you talk to that reinforce that a little bit, but we've asked this same question to other folks that have been on in, in kind of your position, you know, like the, the front runners, how the heck do we get the message out there? And, and everybody almost to, to a person has said what you're doing right now, right. Mm -hmm. Talking about it. Um, not to be discouraging or anything, uh, Laura, but like, I think it is kind of happening. It's just not a light switch, you know, mm -hmm. it'd be really cool if it was, but anyway, so I don't think there's a question in there more just talking, but anyway. But here's an example. I guess here's an example. I would, we started out in our private practice with Ted and Lori, and now we have three more people doing it. So that tells you there's a need out there. And, um, so I think, I just think we just have to keep talking. We just recently went to the Cancer Institutes in Peoria and said, do you understand what chemotherapy does to the brain? And of course they all did. And do you understand what neurofeedback could do for, for, your, neuro, for your chemotherapy patients? So I think there are pockets of people that we can talk to as well. That, and maybe that's the marketing piece you're talking about. But... Um, because it will make a huge difference for people who are suffering, really suffering from things like chemotherapy. So I think we just have to keep working and keep talking. Mm -hmm. Agreed, yeah. Well, that, that, that's what we're gonna do. Dr. Laura, you got anything to close out? Well, no, I, I, I'm very thankful that, uh, you know, we can have these conversations and, and keep these ideas fresh. And I think all of our hearts are in the right place. We're, we're all, you know, forward. You know, looking, uh, you know, professionals, you know, looking, you know, you know bottom line is helping the patients. Uh, thankfully, I'm, I'm extremely busy. We have uh, several clinicians as well. Uh, we've grown significantly in the last year or so. Um, we provide, a, you know, a nice service. And, um, you know, what I, what I try to do is just keep trying to um, simplify the, the lingo. And, you know, again, it's not to you know, belittle anybody in anyone's abilities and understanding this. Um, there, there's so many concepts and if we can keep it simple and, you know, I like that our, our, the name of our company's Neuro Noodle, we're, you know, trying to make it accessible and, 
And I, I think the more we can, you know, education, but education to everybody, education to our graduate students, education to our peers, but education to the parents, you know, most of our, you know, many of our listeners are parents and, and just putting it into the language that, that's understandable. And I think Lori says it very, you know, clearly, hey, you have a brain and, uh, you know, just like you want your knees healthy and your lungs and heart healthy, you want your brain healthy and here, here's some you know, things, you know, basic things to start with. And, uh, you know, here's how to take control, make your life better. And, you know, and it's still your choice. You know, what would you like to do? Here's the information and, and where do you want to take it? And um, yeah, I think there is hope. And I think we're, we are, you know, kind of pulling and pushing and sometimes dragging this forward. Well, Laura, it's so much fun for me to see you and to have you back in my circle. Uh, and it's just delightful to be a part of your podcast today. So thank you so much for all of you for inviting me. And um, I'm just excited to be in the, uh, it's a great time to be in the field. Right. And talk about planting the seed. And, you know, again, we're talking, you know, we keep bringing up the dates and I, I don't know how much more, but, um, you know, 30 years ago, we'll say, you know, Lori, Dr. Russell uh, planted the seed in me and here I am, you know, so uh, that that's where the hope is, and you know the education life is. is uh, I'm carrying it forward, and you know who's going to grab the next torch? Uh, we'll see. You know. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you. I'm glad you took the torch. Yeah. Well, Dr. It's Russell, hard. tell tell Ted we're going to be reaching out. We got to get him on get on here as well. Yeah, okay. he's the co-author, and I keep uh, uh, you know. It's, 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 he, he's getting shorted. I know. We'll give him his airtime. Yeah. So yeah, he, he needs his props. He is a, He's an excellent. He's a good guy. Counselor, psychologist, and neurofeedback specialist. He's he's one of the best. I'm I'm blessed to have him in my life. So thank you. Duly noted. Well, hey, thanks again to Dr. Uh, Russell Chapin for joining us. You can find Perfect. her at uh, chapinandrussell.com. Is that right, Dr. Russell? Or the Neurotherapy Institute of Central Illinois. Um, I'm okay, still at Bradley. Got... You can find me. You can yeah. find me places. If you need to find me, you're just welcome to contact me. Um, <laughs> we'll have the link on our blog. You'll, you know, reach, reach out to Lori. Uh, new book, two weeks ago. I tried just during the podcast, I tried to get on Amazon. All I could get was the first chapter. I'm going to see it, uh, see if I can get on my Kindle here. Practical neuro counseling, connecting brain functions to real therapy interventions. Hot read. I'm sure it's going to be the second book that we have to read to Dr. Russell of her seven or eight that I see here. Oh, it's Dr. an interesting <laughs> one. Uh, you're not biased at all? Well, no, I, I'm not saying it's, you know, that you're going to sit down and go, oh, I just want to read this book, but it was interesting and it had lovely evolution. So i um, glad it could get published. Well, I can say that I want to see it because you wrote it. Uh, after the, <laughs> Thank you. After the ones that Dr. Laura made me read. Dr. <laughs> Laura can be found at jansons.com, J-A-N-S-O-N-S.com. Dr. Skip can be found at drskiprin.com. That's drskiprin.com. Idea for a topic, any suggestions, hey, we're here for you. Please email Pete at neuronoodle.com. Please give us five stars on Apple Podcasts. Smash that like button on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Cue the music. Cue the music.